Hello and welcome to the Legal Perk Podcast. I'm Zane Chankiti, and today's episode will be breaking down the rise of SoftBank and the tremendous challenges that the company faces. So, what is SoftBank? In order to answer that question, I'll go over the history of the company and its founder. Japanese founder Masayoshi Son had received a university education in the United States and had a keen interest in business and in new inventions. Convinced that personal computers would soon become dominant in day-to-day life, Son founded his company SoftBank Corp, which would be the very first business to distribute PC software throughout Japan. Instead of simply focusing on PC software alone, he expanded into the publishing business. As PCs became more popular in Japan, he would distribute monthly magazines targeting manufacturers and engineers instead of consumers. The very beginnings of hinting at a business focused on the supply side or the inventors themselves, rather than focusing on the consumers. After establishing SoftBank Holdings Incorporated in the United States to widen the company's global outreach, SoftBank Holdings took a capital stake in the group that operated Comdex, the world's largest computer trade show, as well as the publishing company, which published PC Week, widening the company's grip on the international market and opening the door to further growth and acquisitions, particularly in the U.S. This included major growth in 1995, after SoftBank, taking a stake in Yahoo Incorporated in the U.S., established Yahoo Japan Corporation through a joint investment with them, in order to launch a full-scale internet business in Japan. The following year, SoftBank continued to launch several internet-related businesses and subsidiaries. In order to create a smoother company structure, SoftBank turned its divisions into separate companies and became itself a pure holding company. In the early 2000s, Masayoshi-san took many risks during the dot-com boom. Virtually, the only one of those risks that really paid off was taking a bet on Alibaba, investing about $20 million into the company. This will be discussed in further detail later on in the podcast. In the following years, SoftBank continued to grow, develop, and diversify its business. This included launching an extremely competitive, comprehensive broadband commercial service in Japan acquiring the shares of Japan Telecom to enter the telecommunications business, as well as acquiring Vodafone KK to enter mobile communications, after which SoftBank became the exclusive provider of iPhone 3G in Japan. The company also increased its telecoms and mobile device market in the United States through the acquisition of Sprint Nexatel Corporation, which was a telecommunications company with one of the largest consumer bases in the U.S., as well as the acquisition of Brightstar Corporation, which distributed mobile devices. But the company also began to diversify 
outside the realm of PC software, mobile devices, and telecommunications by acquiring shares in Japanese professional baseball, establishing an energy subsidiary to promote the increased adoption of renewable energy, as well as working to develop the world's first humanoid robot, Pepper, which could recognize human faces and emotions. And now, getting into the more recent history of SoftBank. SoftBank has now become a huge investor, with its business dealings including telecommunications, e-commerce, finance, tech services, semiconductor design, media and marketing, internet, transportation, venture capital, and more. Most of SoftBank's recent investment are part of what's known as its Vision Fund, which is the largest technology investment fund in history, which initially started as a plan to raise $100 billion to invest in the tech space. Apart from SoftBank itself, the Vision Fund includes investments from Apple, Qualcomm, Sharp, as well as sovereign wealth funds of Saudi Arabia and the UAE. It took Masayoshi-san less than a year to raise this capital. However, instead of being based on equity, a significant amount of the investment put into the Vision Fund is in the form of, of preferred shares, which work like debt, which means that SoftBank has to pay about $2.8 billion in interest to some of its investors every year which, according to the Financial Times, the company does by selling stakes for a higher price or by publicly listing companies. One of the greatest advantages of the Vision Fund is that it allows SoftBank a great deal of power when it comes to the tech industry. In 2017, SoftBank invested in more than half of the top 10 biggest investment in venture capital-backed startups, significantly on ride-hailing companies such as Didi, Grab, and Ola Cabs. And, as we mentioned in our Uber Business Breakdown episode, the company has major investments in Uber as well. However, it seems that SoftBank will invest in these firms whether they want it or not. When Didi and Uber claimed that they did not need such investments, Masayoshi-san reportedly threatened to invest in their rivals instead. However, all that considered... SoftBank and its Vision Fund have slowly been proving that money is not always the answer. A prime example of this is WeWork, the shared workspace provider. I won't go into too much detail about WeWork in this episode, because our very next Business Breakdown episode will be about that company. Suffice it to say that WeWork went from being one of the most highly valued startups of all time to losing more than three quarters of its value losing millions of dollars, and requiring a cash bailout from SoftBank itself just to keep the company going. Masayoshi-san himself has claimed that investing in WeWork was a huge mistake and that he was foolish for making the wrong decision in investing in that company. I'll talk about this more in depth in our next Business Breakdown episode. On top of WeWork, SoftBank has been encountering many other challenges to its investments. The company, which seemed to benefit so much off of diversifying its investment portfolio, has unfortunately been investing in particular areas which were very significantly vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic. So while the Vision Fund was still seeing profitability in 2019, the pandemic, which hit many of SoftBank's key investments, including ride-sharing apps, 
such as Uber, Grab, and Didi, as well as the fact that SoftBank seems to invest in companies that have the potential for high growth, but not necessarily profitability, has now led it to have its first loss. In May of 2020, the Vision Fund reported a $17 billion loss, the biggest in SoftBank's history, which means that it has now lost more money for SoftBank than it made. Not to mention that even before the pandemic, many of these companies had not done well in their IPOs to begin with. Even Alibaba, one of SoftBank's best investments, which, after putting in a $20 million investment in 2000, reaped around $60 billion 14 years later for SoftBank, is now facing issues for antitrust in Beijing. However, despite all this, Masayoshi-san remains optimistic, claiming that even despite COVID, most of the investments made by SoftBank are expected to do well, with the exception of WeWork. It is very interesting to look at the difference between the analysis of journalists who have been covering SoftBank for years and the way that Son himself sees the company and its path forward. Looking at SoftBank's official strategy or business model, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on diversification of companies and allowing and encouraging those investments to grow and evolve while making their decisions independently of SoftBank itself, enabling a flexible managing style and preserving those companies' autonomy. However, as we will see with WeWork, that might not always work out for SoftBank itself. Since when those startups go bad, SoftBank may have to bail out bad investments. So it currently seems that SoftBank's strategy, particularly during COVID-19, is to vie for short-term survival, a far cry from being the most powerful and dominant tech investor in the field. And with that, I'd like to wrap up on this episode. As always, the sources used in the research for this podcast will be listed in the show notes below. If you like this episode, or this podcast in general, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in updates about Legal Perk, you can follow our social media accounts. That's Legal Perk at Facebook and LinkedIn, and Legal Perk underscore on Instagram and Twitter. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you would like us to cover, you can email us at legalperk at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.